Welcome to today's episode of Between Means and Beans. My name is Nina, and I'm joined by my best friend, partner, and baby daddy, Dayon. And together, we're a couple of 20-something-year-olds just trying to navigate this whole first-time parenting thing. So we're laying it all out there and talking about all the things you wish your parents told you about love, sex, and happiness. So we are currently in the midst of the biggest civil rights movement in history. Like, we're not just talking American history, we're talking about in history. That's pretty insane. It's insane. It's all 50 states are rallying behind this movement, protesting about defunding the police, demanding justice, standing up for black lives. And it's not just in America. There are also many countries that have spoken up that are protesting. People are in the streets, like even here in Canada, um, the protests are huge. Like it's not just like I feel like in the past when we've seen protests for Black Lives Matter, especially in Vancouver, they've been quite small. Like mm-hmm. there there are people that show out, but like from what I've seen, it's huge. And we obviously both haven't been to the protests. Like we've considered it, but um, with COVID nineteen happening, with COVID nineteen right yeah. happening, and just having a newborn feels irresponsible. Um, so like I wish I could be out there, but that's our situation. We've been doing a lot of like educating ourselves at home, having conversations with our community, with our parents, donating, signing petitions, everything that we can do um, from our home essentially. And yeah, today we're going to be talking about anti-blackness within our own communities, kind of the conversations that we've had, um, the reactions that we've had from social media. And obviously Dayan is Serbian and I am Vietnamese. We both come from communities that um, benefit from privilege, especially like, I mean, I am not white, obviously, but um, as an Asian American, Asian Asian Canadian, I guess I've never really said that before, (laughs) but I definitely benefit from white supremacy and even though there is racism towards asian communities like it's not to erase that fact or not um to say that we don't also have our own struggles that are very different it's just acknowledging the fact that there is anti-blackness in our communities and we do benefit from privilege and from being like seen as the model minority because that's and that's why i feel this is a global issue it's not just america that needs to stand up because it's there's anti-blackness everywhere in the world there's racism everywhere in the world and like everybody needs to stand up regardless of like whether you feel this is not your battle or well, it's a human rights issue it is yeah it's not a political issue it's a human rights yeah. issue 100 percent. like when and i was like, trying to have this conversation um with my parents it was it really quickly turned into like democrats versus republicans and it's like it's not about that mm-hmm. like i'm not even trying to like you know like have your own beliefs whatever like choose your political party like that's a whole separate conversation yeah. that i won't get into but it's it's a human rights issue and like to to have a group of people say that we want you to stop killing us like this is our experience and then for some people to say okay but and then just throw statistics mm-hmm. and to to try to devalue what people are saying like it's just it baffles me because it's like how how does a group of people say please stop killing us and like that's not that's not translating mm-hmm. you know that's the thing i think the problem is that a lot of people try to make it about themselves and i think i saw that with so when i did a post about black lives matter on my instagram feed I actually got some backlash from the Serbian community. They came up to bring statistics, to bring about how, like, more white people are dying. Or It was so personal. Yeah, like, and I that's the like thing. It, it's white fragility. He it's took the fact so that... much, they took so much offense to, yeah. to the protest, which is, not, which is not, like, the intention of it at all. And, like, to make it about yourself is literally the white privilege that you have. And, like, I guess 
the thing with the Serbian community, I understand that like we've went through our struggles. Like we had a war, we have been discriminated against coming to, you know, Canada or America because like you have an accent, you're you're an immigrant at the end of the day and no one is trying to discredit like the type of things that we had to go through. But that's not what the argument is about right that's now. That's the thing about privilege. Like, it just yeah. goes over your head because it's like, oh, like, I've experienced hardship. Our people have experienced hardship. What about us? Mm-hmm. You know, like, that happens in the Asian community all the time. Like, we're seen as foreigners. We never fully belong. We're never fully American. Like, I get that, you know? Like, and it's that's a struggle in and of itself. And that's a conversation that's, you know, for another time. Like, that's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about black people being killed in the streets. Like, it's not to say that you don't experience those things. And I think it's really hard for people to see that because... They feel like it's one thing or the other. It's like, what about me? What about me? But it's yeah. like, it's not about you right now, mm-hmm. you know? Like, And it's just really hard for people to get that. And regardless, that doesn't make it okay. Like, I mean, yeah. the things that happen to white people, like, we understand, like, we're not trying to discredit the Holocaust, you know? We're not trying to discredit yeah. all these things. But in this present day and age, with your white passing, like, with the pigment of your skin allows you that freedom to not walk in fear. Do you know what I mean? Like, no yeah. one... I mean, sure, you might have that one in, once in a while, like, where someone might call you a Jew or, like, a dirty Serb or whatever it may be, like, which other kind of slander that they can throw at you. But, like, but this argument day, yeah. is not about us. But the thing is, like, I've seen it so many times. Like, all lives do matter, but not until Black Lives Matter first. Like, that's literally yeah. what it is. Well, like, like, yeah, you can't say all lives matter when you refuse to admit that Black Lives Matter. Like, it just, it doesn't yeah. make sense. And that's, like, literally, it's, like, the first step. Like, you know what I mean? Like, because yeah. then all those little details of, like, what we go through, sure, that might fix after after that. But, like, the main issue right now is, like, people are dying, like, at an insane rate. Like, black people are dying at an insane yeah. rate. And, and it's like, not just, I think, like, what it really for like these people that are arguing all lives matter blah 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 like what it really comes down to is a lack of knowledge and a lack Mm -hmm. of education like when i was having these really difficult conversations um within my community like i realized that things that i were doing like my argument tactics that were not working very well like i feel like because i studied sociology because i come from I feel like a very informed place. Obviously, there's a lot that I, I need to learn and understand. But, like, I spent, you know, years, like, studying this and, like, making it what I specialized in and what I was really passionate about. And for me, like, it feels like everybody should have the same kind of knowledge that I had. And mm-hmm. I think I was really in that bubble of being, like, in higher education and, like, being in, like, a sociology program where everyone feels the same way, where everyone kind of understands and has compassion and, like, understands systemic racism and, like, the systems in place that support white supremacy. But, like, not everyone operates in that place. And I mm-hmm. think I was just very naive. Um to realize that I was living in a bubble. And so for me, like when I was arguing, I was getting so upset, like so, so upset because I was just like, how do you not realize? And like, for me, I have to like take it like 10 steps backwards. And I know it's not like, that's the thing that people say, like, it's not your job to educate, but to be fair, it's, it's not black people's job to educate. I feel like as a person of color that is not black, like it is my place. It's too. literally everyone's job. Yeah, like it's, it's your job to educate yourself. But for me, like, especially like with my parents, like it's I feel like it's my responsibility to be like, hey, like this is what's going on. Like, let me educate you. And I, I found myself operating from a place of like. I know more than you and you're you're not engaging with like the right kind of content with the right kind of knowledge like watching all this fake news and stuff like that and like I realized that I was just kind of attacking which mm-hmm. 
which, was ma- not, which was, forces people to become defensive. Yeah, and, and like it, I, and I, I see that. Really yeah, I see that, and like it, it's hard because it's like I feel like if I'm talking to another young person, um, that's like you know like of our generation, then I I do put the onus on you to like read up and like be educated because you have access to the internet like we all know how to like use google and like you have all this information being thrown at you but for older generations i i get that they view news in a different way you know Mm -hmm. like they engage with social media in a different way and like i see that it's different so for me like i see my responsibility to educate differently with like my parents in an older generation and so yeah, it was just, it was very frustrating for me because I was like, you literally paid for my education for four you years. Don't want you, me to use yeah, it. like I was like, you, you sent me to like this incredibly progressive, like really great high school and paid for my university for me to get a bachelor's in this specific thing that you're telling me that you know more about. Like it was just blasphemous to me. And like, mm. I still get upset about it because I'm like, how do you, how do you support my education and support me going out into this world and like doing, you know, the work, but also, like, not wanting to listen to me and thinking that because you watch a couple news reels that you are fully informed. So when I was really able to kind of feel like I was getting to them a little bit more, it was really just making it personal. Um, and it's not even really that I felt like I made a big break, but it was more like I could kind of sense that, especially with talking with my mom, where I could sense that once I made it personal, then it w- there was more of a willingness to almost shut down the conversation, like not engage with me because mm-hmm. it was too painful, you know, and made her uncomfortable. Yeah, it made and her uncomfortable, thing, like, and like you need like to push through that. Yeah, so like I think for me, like obviously it's not one conversation isn't enough, and it was incredibly emotionally draining for me to have these conversations. But it's important, and like I don't know if I'll ever really be able to like convey what it is that I feel and like if I'll ever really get them to see things the same way that I do but I think that even just having them challenge their ideas even a little bit like makes a difference because the older generations like they are voting their voice matters too Mm -hmm. and like it's important to have these conversations with people that don't just agree with you because like my audience on Instagram seems to be on the same page with me like I feel like I'm very grateful to have an audience that is very open to educating themselves and to like accepting this knowledge and to listening to black people's voices and just being a part of this movement. But at the same time, like it is a bit of an echo chamber Mm -hmm. where it's everyone that's engaging with me shares my sentiments and you need to have those uncomfortable conversations with people that don't understand or don't, because that's the only way like change will happen is once everybody can see that bigger picture and can really understand. Yeah. But I will say that I've been seeing content and like infographics floating around of people saying that social media is an echo chamber and 100 percent like it is you know like if i'm shouting the same thing of people that all agree the same thing is not changing anyone's opinion but i feel like what makes a difference is sharing information because like there's a difference between like just reposting something like reposting that black square you know like so people know that you're in solidarity like it doesn't really do anything for Mm -hmm. anybody that sees it because it's like okay now i see that you're performing activism and are you actually signing petitions are you donating i don't know but are you sharing information with your followers like information that people don't know i feel like that's what like i feel like that's how you can kind of break out of that like echo chamber that isn't very productive because even if everyone agrees with what you feel everyone might not operate from that same place of knowledge and so being able to share information and knowledge like that's power and that's the thing with the black square it was good it was a good intention 
but like it needs to come with action right you can't just post the black square don't use the hashtag (laughs) oh yeah because then that just messes up the whole algorithm or just messes up the whole hashtag because you click on it and like all you see all you see is black squares which really made it worse it made it worse because all you're doing is canceling drowning out the actual voices (laughs) and then it just feels like one of those like chain chain mail kind of trendy things to do which is it's performative activism it's just proving to people that you're doing something yeah but are you actually and that's the thing like uh, i understand a lot of things do happen behind the scenes it's not all like via social media so like we need to respect that as well but i do see a lot of people that don't really speak on it at all like even on their stories and then just post the black square and then the worst part is when it's just the black square with absolutely no caption no caption never posted in their story like it's like, what do you... At that point, like, you don't need to post the black square. Like, I get it. Okay, you don't like racism. Like, mm-hmm. it just... The purpose is to... And you know what? I feel... Sorry to interrupt you, but what I, how I feel about that, too, is because... I mean, we saw a lot of a lot of posts circling about how like silence is murder. And if you're, and if you're silent, then like you're with the oppressors. And I think maybe there's a lot of people that haven't really taken the... Not trying to call people out, but kind of trying to call people out. But you know what I mean? Like, people that maybe haven't taken the time to actually think about it, but they see, like, oh, if I post this, then I'm not with the oppressor. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Well, it's a, it's a but they haven't, It's bandwagoning. Yeah, but they haven't fully actually, like, understood why they're doing that or why anything is going on right now. I think yeah. another thing that I saw one of my friends post about, be careful when you tell your black friends, like, oh my goodness, I'm so shocked by what happened. Oh, yeah. Well, because let's not be careful, just don't do it. Like, how can you be shocked? Exactly. And that's the thing, because black people are not shocked. This has literally yeah. been... Ha- I'm not shocked, and I'm a white person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this has literally been happening for far too long. Yeah. For constantly. And the thing is, like, when I received my comments on that post, the man was trying to tell me about statistics. Do you know what I mean? And it's yeah. like... Oh, man, people are just... Okay, like... Okay. And that's disgusting. Look, there's... I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna sound so fucking annoying. Just constantly bringing up my degree. I don't care. <laughs> but like you know, as somebody that studies sociology, you read a lot of statistics. You learn that statistics don't mean anything if it Without doesn't context, have context. Yeah. yeah, it's like you can't just say a percentage or say a number and not realize the context in which it operates. Like you can't say this many white people were killed when you're not realizing that white people are the majority in America. Like context matters so you can't just throw around numbers and people that are throwing around numbers like it's just something for you to like hold on to without actually doing the research like that is another thing about like everything that's been happening and like with educating ourselves like i mean it's great to be on twitter and you don't getting your information from there but like actually doing research like Mm -hmm. reading articles like about redlining about the whole systemic racism behind like understanding history like history it's, it's a lot of work that goes into actually understanding what's going on and going back to like the black square thing like at the same time like the hashtag going around was amplify melanated voices and so i i don't know if i just understood this wrong but i assumed that like it was together where it would be like everyone kind of taking a break from their social media posting like don't post your selfies you know don't don't talk about this other shit that you're going through and like let people like let black people share their experiences like say whatever it is that they want to say and like give them this space give them this like opportunity to voice their their stories and people were taking it as okay let me take this opportunity to post my black square piece out of social media and take the time for myself as a non-black person to what reflect like it it was just it was so counterintuitive because it was like the point is to engage with these people and mm-hmm. hear their voices 
And then it was people just leaving social media. And I all I would see on my feed is just a bunch of black squares, whereas I felt like it was way more productive when I was seeing information, you yeah. know? Things that would force conversation to happen. Yeah. And, like, I feel like people were supposed to, or, like, the idea was to amplify melanated voices. And, like, I didn't really see that too much. Yeah. And, like, the most blasphemous thing to me was, like, when I saw... This is, this is something on Twitter, but somebody tweeted that... Um, I don't know the exact numbers, but it was like, say, like 15 million people had posted a black square with hashtag Black Lives Matter and only 11 million people had signed the petition to arrest officers that were responsible for George Floyd's death. And it's like, that's that just tells you right there, like it's all performative, it's just for show. Like, like you need to actually be putting in the work. Like, I I know we just keep saying that, but it it really is like, it's like change is not going to happen if everyone is just shouting the same things and not actually doing anything to back it up. Like, you see all these companies, like, coming out and posting Black Lives Matter because either, one, they've been called out for not doing anything or saying anything. Um, it's just it, to it's make bandwag- the brand look Yeah, good. it's, it's bandwagoning. Thing, yeah. And it's like, oh, like, okay, like, if you buy our product, then we'll donate 20% to, like, you know, like, we don't, like... You're still trying to sell your product. Yeah, like, it's not yeah. about that. That was the whole point of Amplify Melanated Voices was to listen to black people not for other people that are not black to make themselves look good or to push their brand and their products like it's not the time for that like it's the time to like support black brands black creatives listen to black people's experiences like it's just it's just like it's so far misses the mark so circling back to anti-blackness that exists everywhere in the world and i know a lot of people saying like oh well i'm in canada so i'm not involved but god that's just the most blasphemous thing like racism doesn't exist here like anti-blackness doesn't exist here it exists very strongly like canada likes to think that it's post-racial no the incident of that woman in central park when she called the cops on the guy saying that she was her life was threatened oh yeah she's a canadian yeah and the thing is like i think a lot of canadians feel that oh i'm not racist because we use like politically correct terms you know what i mean but that's still racism bro you know what i mean like well, that's the thing about anti-blackness is that i mean even in us you know like there are things that we learn that we constantly like it's not just something that you ever get to a place where you're not doing the work to unlearn it like it's a lifelong journey of like constantly checking yourself mm-hmm. and um like, I 110% was raised in communities that were... It was just a lot of, like, microaggressions and little things that were said. Um, and it was very much, especially being an Asian person, that was just kind of like, don't be like them. You know, like, I grew up in a very poor neighborhood, and it was very diverse. Um, but it, w- it was always kind of like, yeah, we're all struggling, but, like, don't be like them. And so it was always, like, a sense of otherness and a sense of, like, like that we're better. And... Like, that's anti-blackness within the Asian community. Like, we are seen as the model minority because we are compared to Latinos, to black people, and we're seen as, like, the best minority or, like, the one that's praised. And when you buy into that, like, you contribute to anti-blackness, to white supremacy. Like, you are operating in that system. And, like, I think that's another thing that's important to talk about is, like, a lot of the conversation is about validating black voices and all these statistics about black people killed by the police blah 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 but what the conversation should really be about is white supremacy and whiteness because like it is the same conversation it's it's very much of the same coin but it shifts the focus from being about whether or not black people are worthy of life which is i mean it, it just shouldn't even be a conversation it's it's more shifting the onus onto white people and non-black people 
about acknowledging our anti-blackness and the ways in which we contribute to the system that continues to oppress black people. And like, I feel like when you make that shift, then, I mean, it's it's hard. I think that's the thing is that it's, it's hard for a lot of people to acknowledge their privilege and to not acknowledge the ways in which you benefit because to you, you might, you might only see your struggles, you know? Yeah. And I think that that's very much true for like communities like yours or mine where we've had our fair share of struggles but like it's not about that it's not a struggle competition it's not it's not a struggle struggle olympics Olympics, like it's it's not about that like yeah i don't know it just i feel like i'm saying the same things over and over again and like we've been talking about this like day and this is all we've talked about for the last week and um yeah, I just, if, I don't know how else to say it. Like, it just... Yeah, if you guys find yourself in a conversation where statistics start being brought up and, like, literally understand what you're talking about. Like, you're talking about human life. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it shouldn't be about, like, well, statistically this, statistically that, and, like, look at this. It's not a race issue or I'm not at blame. Like, are you saying because I'm white I'm a racist? Oh, man, like, all this shit. Like, it's worse. not about that. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's about human life. And, yeah. like... Everyone is worthy. Everyone is, you know, should be looked at as worthy to fucking survive. You know what I mean? Worthy yeah. to live and like have equal rights and not even just it's equal about, rights. Yeah, but it's like, like it's it's equity. It's like everyone should have an equal opportunity to elevate. You know, to without discrimination, without being judged. And the thing is, like, like I don't understand how that's so hard for people to yeah. believe. Like, you, black you people start literally talking... getting judged for the color of their skin, which is ridiculous. Yeah, and like, about that's everything, I... about education, about like housing, about. The healthcare system, it's like, there it, it's not equal access to any mm-hmm. of those things, to none of those things. Yeah. And it's like, people think that, you know, if we have an equitable society where we do allow black people access to those resources, like, somehow they get a leg up. Like, no, like, it, it, you're equaling out the playing field. Like, mm-hmm. they've been I think that's what so a lot of people are afraid so of. That's white fragility. That's what people are afraid of, where it's like... Well, like, what about me? Well, what yeah. about this? You know what I mean? Like, I had... It was tough for me, too. And I, like, made it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, it's like, why can't they just make it? Or, like, when you'd be like, there's some black people that are, like, very successful. But, like... It's tokenism. It's, like, it's like looking at Oprah or Michelle Obama and being like, oh, well, you know, like... Or even NBA players, like, oh, like, they made it. So, like, all you have to do is work hard and you can be like them. Like, that's that's tokenism. It's just, it's just looking at one or two cases and not realizing... Or failing to admit that there's a whole system that oppresses everybody and just because one or two people made it out or like are we able to be successful it doesn't mean that they're not experiencing racism at every fucking level mm, yeah like that's true too like that's it yeah like just because you're oprah does not mean that you don't have people saying incredibly rude things to you or like having people judge you um like when you walk into a store like things like that like that happens all the time and like i think what people also kind of fail to realize but are realizing more now is that there is a difference between microaggressions between racism in like your daily actions and like covert racism and like what people identify in the zane age as overt racism is just like you know like the kkk or segregation but it's systematic it's it's in everything it's literally like black kids not being able to have the same resources as white kids in wealthy suburbs, you know, because they mm-hmm. don't have after-school programs, because they don't have um, access to the same counselors, because they're told by their teachers that you're not worthy, you're never going to be anything. The schools are you know? underfunded, like, too. That's yeah, like, the their schools are underfunded. They like, don't teachers, have extra... Yeah. It's, like, it's so widespread. Like, it's literally, like, you expect the people that spend, honestly, like, so much time with your children, five days a week with your children, to be 
amazing and nourishing and like you know encouraging but also like we're not paying teachers enough at all to give a fuck you know like and, and that's where defund the police is coming from yeah like that's the thing like oh my god like when i was trying to argue like the purpose of the protest i just kept getting like you know democrats versus republicans like looting like riots like blah 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 like what is protest even like what have they ever achieved and it's like okay well women didn't have the right to vote until women protested you know like they're like protests are literally why change happens and like riots are a part of that like yes it's fucking unfortunate but like property is not important it's not more important than people's lives and like the people that are protesting are literally asking for justice for people that kill other people to have consequences Mm -hmm. and also to divest funding from police into communities and i don't understand why that is so hard like there are people white supremacists people that support this system that fully just like they want resources and access and opportunities for themselves and everyone else needs to fight for it like and i think other nations nations that have like free school yeah like understand free, like why. higher education because and that like, i mean like, like we're the people. Want people you want your people yeah. to be the best educated like america keeps touting that it's like and like as an american you but know, that's like, where system systemic racism comes in is because school is so expensive and if you've already been redlined in this neighborhood where your family doesn't make money you don't make money what else are you going to turn to? You can't really... Education is expensive. Education is literally so like, how people elevate themselves. Yeah, like so, like, you turn to, obviously, like, you know, you're a product of your environment. So, like, I mean, if all your neighbors are selling crack and that's a way to make money, you're probably going to do that. And you know what I mean? Like, well, but, but that's like, the thing. That's a lot of too. a lot of white people look at, like, well, if they just got a job and, like, stopped selling drugs... Yeah, but then, they like, don't realize that, like, all the kids that are in these schools, it's literally, like, there are cops in these schools. Like... When I was arguing with my mom, like, she didn't realize us living in San Francisco, it is a bubble. Like, mm-hmm. she's like, oh, like, you can now go to... They changed it, so now you can go to school in any neighborhood. And, and like, that's yeah, why that's San true. Francisco's expensive, yeah, because, San- I mean, it's different from the rest of the yeah, state. Yeah, San Francisco, honestly, was, like, an incredible bubble to grow up in. Yes, there is racism and, like, violence and things that happen there, but it's incredibly progressive, and I was exposed to so many diverse, like, backgrounds, like, socioeconomic backgrounds, and, like whatever, I'm not going to just do my word about San Francisco, but, like, in 99% of America, your neighborhood dictates where you're going to go to school. And a lot of the schools that are underfunded, that are in these poor, mostly Black and Latino neighborhoods, they have cops in all these schools. And I was actually reading through Banksy's comments this morning just because I really like to read comments and just get aggravated by <laughs> ignorance. Um, but, like... Man, they were ignorant. They, like, but people were just saying, like, oh, well, like, you know, if we didn't have cops then, like, more school shootings would happen. And that just is so baffling to me that people... Like, you would rather spend money to try to fix an issue than prevent it. Like, if we had more counseling, if we had more resources, if we had social I mean, look workers... look at the mass shootings, too. Most of those are by white kids. Yeah, but, like, but that's, and they but get that's treated what I'm saying. Is that it's literally, like, it's gotten to the point where schools aren't teachers and kids. Schools are teacher kids and, and cops. And it's literally a school-to-prison pipeline. It's all these young kids that are constantly being told, like, oh, you have behavioral issues, um, and, like, so therefore you're, like, never gonna amount to anything, you're never gonna succeed, so you might as well just quit now, like, they put them in detention, they put them, you know, like, they suspend them, and it's, like, when you do things like that, and you don't actually support a kid, or provide them with resources to, like, or, like, even, like, the skills to deal with anger, or, like, you don't know what these kids are dealing with at home, and a lot of times, it's because of, it's because of systemic racism Mm -hmm. that, like, they don't have the same opportunities or resources 
that's the thing guys like with white privilege that we don't understand it's just like all those years of being broken down like your character being broken down yeah it's pervasive and, like, it's every and people aspect telling of you life. that like you know these things aren't for you or you can't achieve these yeah so like it's either yeah you have that chip on your shoulder or you end up you know and it's like people don't realize that kids don't just lash out for no reason kids mm-hmm. aren't bad they don't have behavioral issues for no reason you know a lot of times it's either because of issues at home or because they're in a place where they feel stuck like they have no other options and like if you teach kids like these resources like there have been studies where like people introduce yoga into like a lot of these schools and like it actually helps them because it gives them an opportunity to feel safe to breathe you know and to like know that somebody else is there like to support them like that's the point of counselors and social workers and like my point what I was getting to was that, like, it's a school-to-prison pipeline where literally these kids are being told you'll never amount to anything. They're getting into trouble because, like, they don't have resources. They don't have people in their life that care, like, when they're in school. I can't speak to, like, families. Um, but, like, then they start misbehaving, and then all of a sudden you have them in juvie. And once we all know that once you go once into you're the... Once in that system. Yeah, you're, once you're in the system, yeah. you, it, it's really hard to break out of it because there are so little resources available to you. It's so hard to get a job afterwards. Like, I mean, just watch the Netflix documentary thir- 13th. Like, it literally explains everything about... When kind they of, see us as well. Yeah, when they see us is another really good resource on Netflix. But it, it's it's about how hard it is to break out of that system once you're in prison. Like, if you look at the prisons, too, it's, like, overcrowded with black people, which is insane. And, like, I've seen so many documentaries already on, like, how a lot of people are wrongfully convicted and all these things like that. But, like, it's literally a form of slavery. Like, they're they're doing work for nothing, like, and constantly in that system and constantly, like, you know, doing work that benefits the white person's pocket. All of that stuff makes a difference, and that's why, you know, defunding the cops is a thing, is to be able to bring money into those communities that need it the most. And, like, even if you just look at what what these, what these the riot gear that these police are having now and, like, the outfits they have, and compare that to, like, what the healthcare workers were wearing. Literally garbage bags and, like, yeah. not having enough masks and not having all these, like, things that they need. That's medical things that humans need, you know yeah. what I mean? But, like meanwhile these cops have are equipped with all these weapons and all this literally military kevlar and all these things to like protect them and they have mad immunity they have all these things and they're literally out here killing people which is insane it's crazy because like when you do actually see videos of um like police responding to these riots and like that one specific video of those two officers that pushed over that old man if you haven't seen that it happened in buffalo and it was quite graphic yeah it was just it was literally a like what 77 year old man that they pushed over um and he was in critical condition and like when the old man was on the floor literally not a single officer not a single one stopped to even just check if he was okay and like that's that's the issue right there is like it it's it's not just defunding the police, but it's also that mentality. It's that groupthink of, mm-hmm. like, like there's just not one person that could break away from the pact and, like, do what maybe they felt was right of, like, hey, maybe we shouldn't push over this old man that was literally not causing any harm whatsoever to anyone, was not a threat. There was no accountability. There was no accountability. And there's like, and then there's a video that came out today where the two officers were arrested, where they're being held accountable, but when they were leaving the courtroom, all of their colleagues are just fucking clapping for them. 
just clapping because not clapping they because like, they were charged but yeah but clapping because they stood in solidarity with their cops with their with their co-workers mm-hmm. and like it's that group thinking that mentality that is terrifying that it's like there's no accountability for cops that um do either murder people or that rape or that harm citizens the people that they're meant to protect there's no accountability and it's also that it's it's all meant to just protect each other that you like there's no individual voices you know like there's no one that can stand up another thing to note too um before the cops were even aware that footage was taken of that event they actually in their statement wrote that the man tripped over and fell they literally pushed him and they literally over. pushed him and that's the thing is like that there's no accountability within the police force to even it's call out like, one of them yeah, you know like what i mean where like another the, cop yeah another cop isn't gonna say like you know what actually that's incorrect i saw my colleague push him you know what i mean it, no one is gonna do that you know what i mean because it's kind of a gang mentality and it that's is the ten thousand percent a gang mentality and that's the thing right that's where the problem you know that's where the problem is like what was that what was that t-shirt you saw on the vancouver police department yeah. website literally said world's cops, largest, the world's largest street gang. gang yeah you know yeah like I mean? the like, fact that that's the mentality of the people that are meant to protect us and the fact that like they can harm and murder and get away with it that yeah. like they don't answer to anybody and a lot of people you know a lot of people here are thinking like oh yeah well like these riots are insane and this is like probably the first time it's happening but if you look at los angeles in 1992 when ronnie king got beat it was the same thing. Riots were happening in the streets. And the interesting part, too, is that, like, the Bloods and Crips were actually getting along and, like, working together because the cops had that same mentality. They actually called themselves the Vikings. It was it was a gang. Like, they literally made a gang where they would just go into these, like, neighborhoods and just, like, bully people and, you know, throw people in jail and convict people for things they didn't do. You know what I mean? Like, just, to, just because they just want to close cases. And so who it's, it's so easy political. to pin it on, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, and that's the thing. It's easy to pin it on these people who live in the hood and, you know, already, already the way the nation believes that like, oh yeah, they definitely did it because, you know, there are a few black kids from the hood and it's pretty insane that, that that's what this world is like, that, you know, it's just, I want to close these cases. I want to meet my, there's no justice. There's no justice at all. It doesn't matter about like whether, you know, you're catching the right person, whether, you know, justice is made. It's just about. And I mean, there is no justice. Literally, cops be getting away with murder, and then yeah. they be throwing other civilians in jail for shit that you know they didn't do, which is which is insane. So, I mean, what these protests are about is accountability and like having that you know immunity lifted, where you know a cop can receive real real consequences for the actions that they've done. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, the same way that like civilians have. Yeah, because like they shouldn't have that kind of immunity. And on that note, we went on a huge true crime binge like over the last like couple of months and there's so many series on Netflix and it really is eye-opening. Like before watching these, I would 100% say like, you know, like if you didn't commit a crime, why would you say that you did? You know, and like if everyone, if a jury finds you guilty, then after they've given all the like all the evidence, then you probably are, you know, like I think that we're kind of now seeing that we shouldn't trust like the system and police, but like more than ever before like i'm realizing how much like you really can't trust like the justice system because justice is not served most of the time this is kind of off topic but really like there's just so many so much manipulation that happens and just because you see that somebody has admitted to a crime or like they're being charged for something does not always mean 
that that was what happened because there's so much that happens behind the scenes that we don't see mm-hmm. and that like I really didn't realize but I want to circle back to what is defined as white fragility when people feel like oh so I'm white are you calling me a racist I mean the movement is called Black Lives Matter and I think the problem is that a lot of people are not looking at that in the right way a lot of them look at it as like oh wait well then what about white lives what about these lives you know what i mean so it's like but that's not what it's about the whole movement is to bring awareness that black lives haven't mattered in america and it needs to that people are literally having conversations about their value as human beings like that tells you that that they don't matter yeah. yeah like and i think i mean it's it's kind of it's kind of funny that like they have to make kindergarten like comparisons where you know someone's house is burning and then they go like well all houses matter we're like well your house ain't burning do you know what yeah. i mean and it's like and that's the thing that like it has to come down to like making kindergarten like things so but that, that tells people you can just understand. how ingrained it is yeah that like fundamentally like like with white supremacy and whiteness like black lives have been so devalued and it's so desensitizing mm-hmm. you know like you're so used to it that like you can't even understand yeah that like that is what you are arguing like that is what is so blasphemous but like that people are really really failing to see so baby blue has joined us he's a little bit upset right now with everything that's going but the on the podcast must go on <laughs> but the podcast must go on right blue do you have anything to say do you have anything to say buddy <laughs> yeah i know i feel the same way <laughs> Yo, even Blue signed a petition. Come on, guys. Get your shit together. (laughs) So now that Blue's here as well, I want to mention this one very interesting comment that I received by somebody was about how they believe diversity has failed and that ethno-nationalism is the way to go. And that's a really interesting topic because people... I mean, he's speaking from a privilege of being able to have a home, being able to go somewhere. Do you know what I mean? So, for instance, again, this is a Serbian person. Um, With that being said, that would be like Nina would have to go back to Vietnam. I would have to go back to Serbia. But where would Blue go? You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make sense and that doesn't work. But also the other deep-rooted issue here is a lot of the African-Americans, when their ancestors came here as black slaves, they were taken from Africa and they don't know which part of Africa. Do you know what I mean? Like... But at the end of the day, none of that works. Like, we're American, we're Canadian. It needs to be just, like, a melting pot of us all. When I was taking a uh, Sociology of Canada course, we were talking about the differences between America and Canada. There are a lot of fundamental differences. But when it comes to diversity and the idea of a melting pot, in America, it's a lot more of a simulation it's it's more of that idea of we need to all become american have this american culture and like speak english and you know like you you hear that rhetoric a lot but in canada it's less like there is still the pressure to assimilate but it's not as much it's more of like everyone kind of keeping to their little enclaves Mm -hmm. and to their their own culture like if you think about richmond and how you can honestly live in richmond and just speak mandarin never english, and never yeah. learn english and you can very much do that like it's kind of that idea of like sticking to your roots and whether that's a good or bad thing because like in a lot of ways you're not diversifying you know your circle um 
but it, it's just very different. It's very different in how um, America and Canada both view assimilation and that idea of a melting pot. Like I think people say that Canada is more like a salad where it doesn't make like a full one thing, you know, like it's Each everyone thing is has still... its own individual yeah. flavor. And yeah. I think in an ideal, ideal world, everyone has their own culture, but everyone is in close proximity to each other and able to, you know, involve themselves in those cultures and in those traditions. You know what I mean? But at the same time, I do feel like with both models, there are issues because in America, like it urges you to lose your identity to kind of give that up and claim an American one. But um, I mean, what makes you you is being, you know, Vietnamese American. So like, you know, like, yeah, like your dual identity. But in Canada, on the flip side, it's it's more of like keeping to yourself, but then it doesn't allow you to really interact with and really understand people of other communities because you're just but that's keeping what I, to yourself. But that's what I'm saying. I feel like our generation and younger generations, that's the time to like really, because like for me, like I love learning about every single like culture, like the types of food and just like the history behind it. You know what I mean? And I think like if everyone was more involved in educating themselves about each country and what makes them great and like, you know, have more understanding then like we could really all get along you know what i mean because i think right now there's just like a lot of fear and a lot of like separating things like there's a lot of americans that man i had in miami where a dude asked me oh in canada do you have do you have muslims there and the thing is about miami like it's it's quite segregated like you don't have a lot it's not a melting pot at all it's, it's very like divided and so he asked me that and I was like, yeah. And he asked me if I walked around in fear. And that's when I realized like how much the news and media really influences people in America. And it's so sad that like... I wouldn't say just America. I feel like in a lot of modern day countries, it's pro- news is propaganda mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Like you have to realize who's funding it. Yeah. I mean, which was just like so insane to me because I'm like, yeah, my best friends are Muslim. You know what I mean? It's like... At no point do I walk in fear. At no point do I think they're going to drop a bomb on me. You know what I mean? And that's the thing with this fear-based media is that, like, a lot of times on the news, you'll just hear black people are looting, black people are stealing and, like, and killing people and, like, black-on-black crime and all these things, right? But, like, that shit needs to change. Like, we need to understand that with black people, there's always a negative conversation, whereas with white people, it's more positive. Like, for instance, when, like, a white person commits a crime, like a like one of those mass shootings, it's usually he was sick or he it's was, like, like mental illness. Mental illness yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas, like, when a black person does it, he's, like, an animal or, like, a, a savage thug. or, like, a thug. Yeah, you know what I mean? And it's, like, I've been pulled over by the cops a few times. You know what I mean? And when they ask me for my license and registration, without even thinking... My white privilege allows me to just reach into a glove box or reach into my pocket. Or even I've had situations where I got out of the car and be like, man, please have a conversation with you, officer. And like be able to try and, you know, negotiate like my situation. And just the the videos that I've seen online, like it is not the case for black people. And the thing is, because of our white privilege, we don't even think about that. People literally get shot within seconds it's like this kind of fear that i think police officers have around them but because black people are framed as criminals so you immediately assume that when you see a black person that they're doing something wrong that they are a criminal that they're dangerous that they're probably armed but like so they don't like police are trained to protect white people to trust that i would reach into my glove box and not pull out a gun well yeah because that's the thing is that white people are framed as like normal as good as you know like model citizens what have you Mm -hmm. and back black people are framed as criminals and so like when you go into a situation with that mindset 
Like, that's why cops end up being, like, so trigger-happy. Because mm-hmm. they literally feel as if they are in danger when no no part of the situation poses a danger to them. It's literally just because they go into a situation thinking, this is a black person, therefore I am in danger. We need to stop talking like that about human beings. Like Well, that's just, like, news and media. Like, it really... Like, I don't think... Like, but that influences, that, yeah. that influences, like, the older generation. But that's the thing is that when people don't realize that news is biased that like i think that it's just because you're you grow up with that idea of like like news is supposed to be unbiased it's just the facts you know but like it's not at all like that it hasn't been like that for a very very long time i think that's because fear equals views and like people really interacting with yeah. it you know what i mean well, that's because why there's like, always a war on drugs war on terror war on, terror, war on, war blah, on blah, blah, blah. something like, yeah yeah always. because like if you live in fear then you have more trust in your government you'll do whatever your government says you'll believe whatever your government says but i feel like i mean at least our generation i think has more understanding that like those are not the facts yeah and in the irony with all the protests that have been going on is like there are people that are peacefully protesting police brutality and then there are police that are brutalizing these protesters like how do they not see the irony in that and i mean also don't believe everything you see as well and like a lot of this looting per se as well like when you look at the videos a lot of them are just white kids just like that want to fuck shit up yeah like people taking advantage of of the fact that there's that there's you know an uproar unrest, yeah. and that there's an unrest so they take that as an opportunity to to grab what they want but you know that's not what it should be about and um and i can understand like certain people's fears like for instance like my my mom has actually come a long way which i was quite surprised about because i mean it w- wasn't always like that in regards to when you ask her about like black lives and things like that but now she's actually you know more understanding and is like actually understanding like the white privilege and how it is unfair that all these things are happening. But the other thing too, like being an older person and just watching the news and seeing the these thing these riots and like people getting hurt and things like that, um, her her views are that it's not worth it to get involved because of the risk of you being injured or hurt or killed. Which I can see you know, I can understand that, but it still is like our fight. You know what I mean? Because something that we still well, need to stand like up for. it's also like your white privilege to like break down the system that privileges them. You know, like yeah, because I mean, for the most part too. Like that's the thing. That, like literally, like what I said from this being in in ninety two to like even further back to you know the civil rights movement, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King. Like they've all fought for so long, for so goddamn long, and like you know their voices are not being heard. Like even like. You know, Tupac has said it many times as well, like with his music, a lot of people would say it's aggressive, but that is the thing. It, like, it needs to be aggressive at this point because, gotten aggressive because, because they've been asking it for yeah. so many years, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like through hip hop music and through like, even just saying Black Lives Matter, like white people feel attacked, but they need to because they haven't been being listened to, you know what I mean? And, and white people are more in a privileged position where they can actually you know, speak up on it and be able to, like, make a change. Because black people have been doing it for so long. And I'm not saying that there's no change, but it's happening far too slowly. You know what I mean? And I think we all need... It's, it's everyone's responsibility to stand up. Because at some point, 
you know, someone higher up in whatever it is that can really make the decisions to make it happen needs to realize and make it happen. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, like it's it, it really is on a, on all of us. It's like it's people that, you know, work in management. It's people that are policymakers. And I think as young people, like we can see that social media, you know, like creates a change in like people speaking up and things like that. But really, at the end of the day, what will make a huge difference is policy and laws like that's why like voting is so important and the people in these positions of power that we vote into power that can make an actual difference like you know like i mean changing someone's opinion about racism is very important as well and it's important to do that work but it's also very important at the same time to be voting Mm -hmm. because like there's strength in numbers and yeah everyone needs to come together to be able to make change for real yeah and it's like it's like if you think about like even the immigration act of 1965 you know like that's a policy that had a dramatic effect on immigration in america and i'm sure on like racial attitudes in america you know so it's like all these things need to be working together at the same time to get us to where we want to be so like yeah don't underestimate your voice in voting like 100% registered to vote your opinion and your voice matters and I think that's a really good place to end this this has been a very long winded conversation about um, I mean what started as anti-blackness in our community and into all these other little topics but subdivisions subdivisions but I mean these, these conversations are important to have and um, again, not just with people that agree with you, especially with people that don't agree with you. Mm-hmm. So on the that uncomfortable note, conversations. Yeah. I also do want to mention just how incredible these protests really are and mm-hmm. how so far we've already seen a few baby steps. We've seen some changes happen. Yeah, protests, protests work. Yeah. And like, I mean, there's, you know, like just all the things that are going on right now, you can see, you know, there's been like some policy changes and uh, some cops that have been arrested and, you know, facing facing some actual consequences, which would be great. And um, yeah, we just got to keep going and just keep, you know, signing petitions where we can, don't lose momentum, don't let this just be like a trend and that is over in a week. You know what I mean? Like we got to keep, you know, keep this conversation alive and keep, you know, keep things progressing because, you know, this is... You got to think about the future and, and like, our children, man, you know, and, like... Talk to your kids about racism. Obviously, Blue is only six weeks old, so he will not understand anything that we have to say to him right now. But it's so, so, so important to talk to your kids about racism. Kids show preference for race at a very young age. So, like, you want to be able to talk to them before they, you know, before someone else gets to them, before, like, propaganda and, like, media gets to them, you know, because they notice these things. And it's not an easy conversation to have, but there are lots of resources. It's a very easy Google. There are a lot of books out there um, that you can read to your children. And when I was when I was in first grade, that's when I first learned about racism, and like that's when I learned about segregation in America. And I was I was not too young to understand that I fully comprehended what was happening and that it was wrong. So like kids are not too young, mm-hmm. and they are a future. So it's really important to invest in them. And if you want them to be the ones that are you know like fighting this fight in the future, then you have to provide them with the right tools. And yeah, it's it's really just it's it's a PSA that kids are not too young. So on that note, there's obviously so many more things that we can talk about. And I, I would just implore you all to just, you know, educate yourself, learn as much as you can and do what you can and really help where you can. And the um, conversation doesn't end here. Doesn't like, end. Activism doesn't end here. And like, honestly, and I know a lot of people, you know, are afraid of COVID-19. Literally, there is so much that you can do from home. 
You know what I mean? Like you don't even have to. You don't even have to leave your computer screen. Like literally, you don't even have to. Educating you can do it yourself, all on your phone, honestly. You know what I mean? Yeah, educating yourself, I think, is like probably the most important place to start. Yeah. Acknowledging that there is a knowledge deficit. Um, and if you're white, a knowledge of privilege. Yeah, that's huge too. But anyways, yes, we're gonna end this here. You can follow us at Needs and Deans on IG. I am at Your Girl Needs. I am Dan's Day Off. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye bye.